Hey guys, Mark Kenyon here from Wired to Hunt, and we are back with another audio episode of the 100% Wild Podcast. And our guest today is Steve Stoltz. And we had Steve on earlier this year on the podcast to discuss turkey hunting, but today he's here to help us answer a question about summer scouting for deer. Obviously, a very relevant topic right now when this podcast is originally airing. So give it a listen. I hope you enjoy it. And from here, we will kick it back to that original interview. Welcome back to another episode of the 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Mark Kenyon with Wired to Hunt with my buddy Matt Drury from Drury Outdoors and back in the studio with us, Steve Stoles. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I, um, I'm just excited to be here back in a Drury Outdoors studio. I don't think I've done anything with Drury Outdoors as far as uh, filming since our reunion hunt that we did with In Jerry. Oklahoma, right? Yeah. 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 And have Jerry you ever Hill. been here to the studio before? Probably not. I don't think I've been to this one. Yeah, the no. old one. The old yeah. one. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's exciting to see. I, I'm, I'm, um, I always tell your Uncle Mark this and, 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 and your dad. Um, you know, I'm amazed what Drury Outdoors has done uh, through the years. They're a trendsetter. Um, they set the level so high. And, you know, with my show now that I do Buckman, yep. uh, which, by the way, is airing on Pursuit right, right now. Right now, right? Right, as we speak. It airs on Tuesday mornings and Friday uh, midday. Uh, Eastern times, um, but Buckman TV. This is our second year of airing, and uh, it's a show. I got a great compliment the other day on our show. One, one of the greatest compliments, and that was, it's a show that's kind of a mix. It's kind of a has a little flavor of the original Monster Bucks, but with the modern. Now, now when you say that the original Monster Bucks, you mean the Drury Outdoors Monster. There Bucks. you go. Not many people know that. That's so correct. That, it was. That. It was <clears throat> so. The, the way I recall it from just hearing Mark and Terry talk about it, originally they came out with Monster Bucks the same year that uh, Bill Jordan and Realtree did. And it just so happens that we had artwork, prior artwork, meaning that we actually went to market with it first. And uh, I believe Bill... Um, purchased the, the rights to the, to the title from Mark and Terry. <laughs> I... I no, I'm sure there's more to it. Well, there we, we probably don't have to get into. No, it. really, no. They're, they're, it's really about that simple. Yeah, uh, it was kind of a gentleman's agreement. Yeah, um, we did not know that Realtree was going to do Monster Bucks as well. So it was just kind of one of those. Both we both did the same title at the same time, not knowing either one was doing it. Yeah, um, we had actually done, did. Um, I think we were coming out. We did our second Monster Bucks title. Did we do three? Yeah, I I I know there was two. I don't know if there were three or okay. not. Okay, so we were we we were. Our, I think there were three, maybe. Well, we were in edit with the last Monster Bucks title, and that's when Bill Jordan called, essentially called your brother Mark, or um, your uncle, uncle Mark, yeah. and and your dad Terry. Uh, and actually, I happened to be in the studio the same day too, and uh, Bill's like, one of us has got to move off the title. Yeah, and this is exactly how it happened. And he said, um, I'll, I'll compensate you to, for the title or you compensate me yeah. for the title. Um, but whoever compensates each other, then that's the one that has the title. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and your, your Uncle Mark and your, and your dad decided that they could go with a different title that would hold on its own. Drury Outdoors was established well enough in the, in the uh, video rental market yeah, yeah. by that time. And, and at that time, they were doing several 
titles a year. Yes. So they started doing several titles a year. So yes. I think they even started another – now, this was like more like late 90s, but they started another company called Impact Productions because the rental shelves would only buy – like one or two titles from Jury Outdoors. So they started Impact Productions, <laughs> new company. They would get a title from them as well. That's I know correct. you were on many of those Impact Productions. Gone, oh, was it Gone Mad? And Yeah, I was actually part owner of Impact Productions. Okay. And, and uh, you know, say, it was actually early 90s. Okay. So Impact Productions was in, was in place, I believe, when this all happened. But bottom line is uh, uh, Bill... Bill got the rights to the yep. Monster Buck title. Uh, it was a gentleman's agreement. And I think we replaced it with Dream Season. I, I was going to say that. I, I think it re- Dream Season replaced I it. I don't think that, that was, there was any ever any regrets, even though Monster no. Buck title was a great title. <laughs> and Bill Jordan's done a great job with it. He did. Uh, him I and love David, those guys. Yeah, love, him and David Blanton. I mean, David they, Blanton, love David Blanton. Yeah. Uh, Michael Waddell, yeah. uh, Bill Jordan, uh, salt of the earth people. In case anybody didn't know in the industry, a lot of these people, you know, your Toxie Hayes, your Bill Jordans, your... Cuz Strickland, Cuz Strickland, all friends. Uh, you know, David Blanton. They're all really friends. I mean, they're competitors as far as, but they're very down to earth people, and uh, I think that's what makes this industry. And it's a it's a small industry, really, in a sense. But that's what makes this industry so great. Yeah, is uh, everybody is even though they're competitors, they're still uh, good friends. Heck, I think are they on like Monster Bucks twenty seven or I mean they're I up don't there. What, and they're, yeah, they're, I don't know what. I mean those that that title to see what they've done with it in 20 30 years i mean it's amazing like they they've really it's part of the fabric of i think every whitetail hunter you think of monster buck buck videos getting them at walmart or whatever the case may be so absolutely yeah and we just wanted to do in the early drury outdoors years uh we just wanted to produce uh, a, a whitetail video that was 100% wild. And then one of the things that Sheen Ray uh, did in the video rental market, and this is a true story too, he pushed us to go into a pen, go into a can, and, and, and do a high fence hunt to finish. Say we had three wild kills and needed two more to do a video. He wanted us to shoot those last two under fence, and we refused to do it. Yeah, uh, we 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 stuck with the 100% wild, 100% fair chase. Trademarked that. We trademarked that, and I think that was so important for the future of Drury Outdoors Agreed. in particular, and not just Drury Outdoors. My uh, my career, and anybody that was involved with Drury, yeah. whether they have their own careers now, like yeah. Don and Candy Kiski and Jay and Gregory, Gregory, all Stan of us, Potts. Stan Potts, yeah. all of us that were originally involved with the Drury Group, um, it it it. it it paved the way for our careers, and it was probably the smartest. We didn't know it at the time, but it was it was the smartest decision we ever made because what it essentially did it it kept us from releasing one or two deer titles, where we where if we'd have put the yeah. high fence hunt mixed in with the wild hunts, uh, we'd have got the film done. That they would have went on a rental shelf. It would have made more money for Drury Outdoors. A sense, not not a windfall of money, no. but it would have kept the ball rolling. Yeah. And we we chose to stop. Hold up. We've only got three monster buck kills. We'll just wait another year to get that production done. Yeah. And, I mean, I think it goes back to kind of the gut instinct of Mark and Terry as to what, you know, 
what drives them and their passion. And I think as people watch Drury Outdoors today, they, it's so evident and that you can see their love for what they're doing, you know, and that's why they wouldn't go. You know, I understand some people hunt that way, high fence, whatever it is, whatever. Everybody has their own styles. If it's legal by all means, but it's just something they never could do. They just never could. Nope. We couldn't, we couldn't bring ourselves to do it. No, and never have never will. And and again, I agree with you, Matt, there is a place for it in the market and there's people that, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to say one way or the other, yeah. but uh, there's a, just there, not our style. It's just not our style. Yeah. It's not our style. We wanted to keep it 100%, 100% wild and fair chase. And, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, been kind of molded in our fabric. That's right. And, um, that, that's never going to change. Well, we have been talking about monster bucks and, uh, we do have a question related to monster bucks or deer of any, of any kind. So, I think we should probably hop to that question, and it's about summer scouting. And this was actually a email question from a listener named Frank, and he asked, On a recent podcast, you talked about how much a buck's pattern changes once they lose their velvet and to not set up tree stands where you're seeing deer in August. My question is then, what's the purpose of scouting in July and August with trail cameras? Is it just to take inventory? All right, so Steve, you know, in past episodes, we've talked about this, how, you know, whitetails habit or their habits and their behaviors and their ranges change a lot from summer to fall so this is a great question if that's the case why why summer scout what does summer scouting do for us what do you think about that well first and foremost what summer scouting does is gives you an inventory of what whitetails are in the area regardless if that whitetail stays in the exact farm that you're able to hunt or not um, typically yes they do have a summer range in a in a, in a fall range and even a winter range that all can vary and change. But for the most part, a big mature whitetail, all big mature whitetails obviously have their own personalities. And some, it's in their DNA to live at home for a few years like a human, move away, and then at the end of their lifespan, uh, actually move back to their home territory, which is why you see some whitetails disappear and three, four years later show back up. Some whitetails choose to stay in that same little tiny home core area their entire life. They never move. They just don't leave home. Mm -hmm. They don't, like a human, they never leave their hometown. Um, And some whitetails choose to leave and never go back. (laughs) And that's what humans do. I mean, some people from the Midwest will move to California, love it, and never come back. So um, for that analogy, uh, the, the importance is knowing what your area and what is living in your area. And, 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 and to be quite frank, um, most of the whitetails you see that on, on if you've got whitetails you know, uh, staying on your place in the summer feed pattern, pretty much going to be around for that fall too. So it kind of gives you, a, you maybe not 100% every one of them, but it gives you a good temperature of what kind of whitetails that place holds. I've heard Jared Lurk say this, and he, I'm sure he heard Mark Drury say this, but if they summer on you, there's a good chance they'll winter on you. Yes. But on my lease, it's totally not the case. Like they'll <laughs> summer, they'll, you know, during the summer months when they're in velvet and I'm feeding them analogics or whatever, corn, whatever, I get great pictures, great pictures. They'll be with me for a little bit of the fall. And then once gun season in Missouri hits, bye bye I mean, I never see them again. I barely, I mean, I might get a new. Well, they might be dead. (laughs) Well, certainly that might be the case, but I've got enough history with the place now where they will come back 
the following summer. And I'm always scratching my head like, oh, if they summer here, why don't they winter here? I have right. no idea. It's just the it, gun season kills them. The, yeah. You know, it's not actually <laughs> not killing literally. them. But yeah, they, I just don't know where they go. I have it no idea. It could be a food thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's going to be one of three things. It's going to be food, um, pressure, mm-hmm. human pressure, or uh, the female situation. Um, and a female situation is a breeding situation. Yeah. Uh, those three things will make that probably uh, affect that more than anything. But it sounds to me like it's pro- uh, from your perspective, from your lease, once the cover gets off, mm. your travel corridors are thinner. They don't have the travel options. Uh, I think your food probably is changing in it your is. area big oh, yeah. time. So probably, and in, my guess is you don't have as big an area as your Uncle Mark? No, it's 400 acres, okay, well, but, it's, but it's mostly tillable. I mean, most of that's farm ground. You but, know, it's But how much does that of- stay in? How much of that tillable stays in? Almost all goes. You it, know, I'll pay goes. to leave three, four, five acres, but the rest of it's out, you know. So it's it's changed tremendously. And that's probably the biggest reason yeah. is, is is food source. Okay. That's just my guess. So if if your primary goal with that summer scouting is just inventorying, you know, understanding what what's the potential in this area, what bucks might be around, you know, what's the general ballpark feel for it, um, what specific techniques then are you employing to do that? Is that just a trail camera thing, or are you actually trying to understand, okay, yes, I have these three bucks here that I've seen personally. Do you try to look at how they're moving or how they're using the train, or do you not care about that at all? I, I'm, I'm, not so, I'm not so concerned with most recent information for whitetails through summer scouting other than the fact that I want to keep tabs on them. I want to know that they're still alive from month to month. I want to know if they're still hanging in that area. Um, you know, uh, the, the biologic, of course, has a great uh, food plot system, and 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 we uh, for Buckman we, we use real world wildlife seed, and we we love it. But uh, no matter what seed you're using, you can plant f- to success for those whitetails. So you can use that information that you got. And you say you're getting three or four really really great bucks on a on a feed station or on a mineral lick or whatever is legal in your state. Um, you can you can basically plant uh, where you can almost look at an aerial and see about where these deer are bedded and staying. You can take this to the bank. If you're getting a lot of trail cam pictures of them, they're not staying far from that trail camera. I mean, you can just take that trail camera and within several hundred yards of that trail camera is where they're living. They're literally living. They're not moving much. Big whitetails don't move much. They don't have to. They know they don't have to. And so uh, that's a mistake a lot of whitetails hunters make is they'll see a trail camera picture of all these bucks at 2 o'clock in the morning and uh, throughout the summer, and they think, well, they're traveling a long ways to get there, and they're not. They assume they're traveling a long ways to get there, and they're not. And, in fact, they may only be traveling a few, not even 100 yards to actually make their way in front of that camera, they just don't move that much. So you have to. So so then, uh, you have to expand out in smaller pieces too uh, f- to plant your food plots. Plant your food plots near those bedding areas. Make those. I always say, and and actually, um, I learned this from your from your uncle Mark. Plant the food plot to a spot that's already good. So you got a travel corridor, a pinch point that's already good, right near where these bucks are summer feeding. Plant a food plot there. Now you've got that green food source right outside the bedding area that's going to draw those whitetails in when you no longer can feed because it's not legal, obviously, to feed during hunting season and no longer to have that. You can't, you know, the mineral licks are no longer any good anymore because by about September they stop coming to the mineral licks. Yeah. So you can actually architecture or 
or structure your food plots to what your summer feeding pattern is, hmm. if that well, makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Um, back to the to the scouting portion where you were talking about the trail camera and how lots of times they're much closer, you know, than you might assume. You're saying specifically just in the summer, though. You would. Is no, that I, I, I would think say that's, that's, that's true all fall, except <laughs> the, only, the only time that that's not true is when all bets are off, when the, when the rut starts. When, when I say the rut, I mean the, the back end of the, the, the pre-rut, right close to the peak rut, and then through the peak rut. Then all bets are off. You don't know where those whitetails are going to travel to. And if you had to put a number on it um, in the Midwest, I'd say around October 20th to 25th, um, if, you can, if you can get a deer shot – uh, in that local little area before then, and I think that holds true for Mark's, uh, your uncle Mark's biggest whitetail to date so mm-hmm. far. I believe it scored 217 inches, yeah. and he wanted to get that deer shot. You know, October 21st is not a typical time to shoot a big mm-hmm. whitetail, just not anywhere. Um, but he wanted to get that deer shot in particular before it started branching out and possibly getting to a point where yeah. he could not pattern that deer. Yeah, his home range expanded once, you know, the season really got rolling. Exactly. So he knew that from previous history. Trump. So his whole game plan is, all right, I'm going to get even more aggressive than I usually get. And he was in his bedroom. I mean, he was right there he, on the edge of it. And, and in fact, shot him in the morning, which is very unusual yeah. for a big whitetail yeah. that size. But he knew right what patch timber the deer was bedded in, had the right wind, knew he could, he knew the deer was probably starting to expand out and start checking scrapes mm-hmm. more, getting back to his bedroom later. Um, so he took advantage of it on the right wind, slipped in and got him shot in the morning. But, uh, uh, to, you know, to put it in perspective, once it gets to a certain point, some bucks may stay in that home little core area and breed does right close and still not venture out. But other ones, again, it's in their DNA. They'll travel out. They'll start uh, maybe never coming back to that little home core area till the rut's over. Mm-hmm. So you lose them. You lose track of them. So, Speaking of keeping track of them, um, tell me if you think this is if this makes sense or not. But when it comes to inventorying these deer, um, during the summer I do the same thing like you just said. And I've always thought, the val- the greatest value, I mean, there's there's the, the emotional value of just knowing, oh, there's these great bucks. That's exciting to know they're here. Even though, like you said, their patterns right now in July or early August, that's not going to necessarily apply at all to what I'm doing in November. But it's nice to know they're there. But actually what I found to be the most helpful thing about inventorying those deer in the summer is that you can better understand the age of those deer. So you can better decide whether or not, yes, that's a deer I want to pass or, yes, that's a deer I want to shoot. And then... That makes things a lot easier when it comes to November 1st or October 25th when you've got a deer cruising by you really quick. And if you've never seen that deer, if you've never studied his trail camera pictures and aged him, and you're trying to make that decision, do I want to shoot that deer or not? If you're trying to make that decision in the moment, you are not focused on the task at hand, and you're you know, less of a chance of actually being able to complete that action and kill that deer. But if you know right away, oh, that's such and such. I've seen him before. I know he's five. That's within my goal. That's the deer I want to shoot. Bam. You're ready to go. You're focused. And so now you just answered his uh, the second part to his question of why it's so important to summer uh, pattern whitetails, and it is uh, it gives you a chance to study their body. Uh, you got you have to age a deer from the body, not their antlers. Uh, so it starts giving you a, a list of deer you can put on a hit list and or hold off the hit list. Uh, the reason why Drury Outdoors. Uh, hunters and in particular and i and i, I don't want to uh, uh uh single anybody out but in particular mark and terry 
why they're so successful with taking such giant, giant whitetails. And Mark is one I'll even single out even more. Such up big upper end deer is is he's he's adamant about not shooting a four and a half or five and a half if he's not if he's not ready. If, if, if he's, so. He'll essentially pass a 170-inch, three-and-a-half-year-old and shoot a 150-inch, six-and-a-half-year-old. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand that. And the, the best way to understand that is to take inventory through the summer and study those deer. And then over a p- period of years, you start developing a relationship and a history of that particular buck. And now you know for a fact that deer is yeah. five and a half, six and a half. And for a fact, you know what? He's not getting any bigger than 160. Maybe let's put him on a hit list because he's not going to blow anymore. Yeah. But but let's pass this 165, three and a half year old because we want to see what he does in a couple years. You know, and obviously that's not, it's not realistic for everybody in their certain situations. Like you just, you know, if, if you're on a small track or depending on how your neighbors, you know, how they manage their herd, it just, Sometimes you're stuck with maybe it's fours or, or all you can grow, you know, maybe it's threes. It, but your point is they can't reach the full potential unless they're passed. And, and if you don't have the ability to do that, if your neighbors aren't, and it makes it a lot tougher. I mean, it's just it's well, just the reality of it. Well, Matt, you didn't bring up a good point. So many hunters focus on I, – I get this so many people I hunt with, and I've had, I've had guys – Buckman TV, we're just we're new, we're a new show. We we're uh, I mentioned before we're, we're best compliment I ever had is kind of a mix. It seems like a show. It's kind of mixed uh, a mix of the original Monster Bucks with today's reality flavor. Mm-hmm. So kind of kind of cool. That was I thought that was a great compliment. Um, and uh, they 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 get focused on on score, and um, you know uh, they'll be sitting there hunting and i'll say be my guests say and i'm filming them and for the show and they'll say uh that deer won't make 140 that deer won't make 140 uh, that looks that that deer might push 150 get out of the score focusing on the score and Mm -hmm. start focusing on age class yeah i would i would much rather hear somebody say i think that deer is only three and a half and forget about get get the score thing out of your mind because the the reality of it is if you want to improve the whitetails on your and whether you have a small piece and even if you don't have the resources it's really about what age class of deer you want to shoot yeah so that brings me to my next point and you brought it up sometimes even though the age class is five is they're five and a half and six and a half they're actually sporting 135 inch rack and i'll give you a great example western montana in, in your mountain range of western your uh, uh, Milk River area and different areas of Montana, uh, I've hunted it quite extensively. I've, I've killed some nice deer there, but nothing more than maybe 140 inch type buck. And but they're five and a half, six and a half monarch type bucks. Um, th- who cares that a deer only scared, scored 135 inches? I got the nicest, oldest deer yeah. in that area. So yeah. start focusing more on that age class than worrying about whether it's a 200 inch deer or not yeah it's it's tough it's so tough because you know and i see this a lot i see people writing about it on social media or on the internet it's like well every time you turn around on tv somebody's killing 160 inch deer 170 inch deer i've only seen like three of those i mean like it's just not the reality for everybody you got to figure that part out like take it for what it's worth the guys doing it on tv to that degree and that level it's they 
it's it's not necessary necessarily real world conditions for everybody. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's right, wrong, or or good, bad, whatever. It just isn't. It isn't your situation. Yeah. So I think you always put it in best perspective, like uh, your hunt for Holyfield up there in Michigan. Like yep. he in Iowa, that same deer, he'd probably be a booner. You know, yeah. that age class. Right. You know, or whatever. But for your structure your the subspecies up there or whatever the genetics that is a booner to you in your place oh, yeah. right because yeah. he's 125 four-year-old in michigan is, yeah. is a heck of a trophy for anyone i mean that's that's exciting deer for a lot of people around there and i think to your point something that i always you know encourage people that are that i'm talking to especially those like where i live in michigan or guys in new york or pennsylvania or georgia or whatever to your point, you see TV and there's all these guys in Iowa and Missouri, et cetera, yeah. shooting 160s or 180s or marked with 200s. Yeah. Um, and like you said, that's not always real, realistic for everybody. But if you can, if you want to challenge yourself, if you want to try to always be improving, you know, try targeting whatever that top 10% or top 5% is in your area. Yeah. So try to understand what that is. You can talk to local biologists. You can talk to your friends and look at the types of deer you've been inventorying in the summer. And you can start seeing, okay, you know, the top 10% of my deer herd is a three-year-old. And maybe it's 120 or maybe it's 150 or maybe whatever. Um, see what that is and just try to maybe try to push yourself a little bit more. Maybe this year I can target that next age or maybe this year I'm going to hold out for, you know, the one in a hundred deer around here because I want to try to do that. But don't kill yourself or kick yourself because you're not shooting deer like Mark Drury because most people aren't. And like no. you said, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's just we all have different circumstances. Yeah. Um, One of the things that, that I thought was interesting about your uncle Mark, um, we had a, I've had a lot of conversations with him obviously over the years, and 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 you know I've not been involved with the show for many many years, uh, but we still talk a lot, and we still text a lot, and we're still very good friends. And and one of the things I've I've said to him quite a few times is uh, I'm in I'm amazed at the size of the whitetails and the, and you know, just how good he is about mm-hmm. figuring these whitetails out. You know what he said to me? And it was a great compliment. He said, Steve, if you were hunting my farms under the conditions that I'm hunting, you'd probably get the same deer shot. So I'm not taking anything away from Mark. I'm saying he creates that success. He does. Not everybody can expect that. He, you know, and it's always, oh, you're hunting on a fall. I mean, the social media, I always go back to that, but it's like, Every com- every other comment's like, well, if I hunted there, uh, well, not necessarily, not necessarily because you still have to be a really good hunter. I mean, if the if the buck, even in an unpressured area like their farms are, they're still not going to tolerate crappy hunters. No, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like no. they're too smart for that. I don't care if they're pressured or not. They're not going to tolerate. They didn't get that old for a reason you you know what i mean so you 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 know a guy like mark is very aggressive he is very analytical and he takes every little piece of information and he capitalizes on it and you know him and dad i've mentioned it in another podcast we did their hunting styles are so different on the deer side dad is just not as aggressive as mark is he will he's like father time i mean the guy will just sit in a stand starting September 15th and he'll go all day if he had to. I mean, they don't hunt a lot of mornings, but not, that, not early, not no. there, that early, but he will sit there and he'll go, you know, and hit the same spot hit the same spot. And he knows he's not messing. If he knows he's not messing it up. Sure. And he'll just wait it out. You know, Mark, he isn't that way. I mean, Mark will hop around. He'll go to Texas or he'll go to, you know, his Missouri place or I, he goes where it's happening. Yes. You know, and, and then he makes it happen with the strategy right. that he implores. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's just a different style, but it's, uh, it, 
he certainly takes it to, to in my eyes, uh, he sets the bar so high. And and for those viewers uh, out there and those listening to this podcast, you just can't set your expectations compared to somebody else you yeah. have to set your you know yeah don't set your expectations so high that you're just going to you're setting yourself up for failure yeah and i think the other thing that i always you know just in conversations with my own friends or different people like that you know there are things that mark's doing or that terry is doing that wouldn't work where i hunt they're yeah. very different situations yeah. like that said i think that we can as hunters even if your situation may not be at all like mine I think there's still something we I can always take something from it. Yeah. So I like to consume as many different ideas as I can. I want to hear from a Mark Drury. I want to hear from Steve. I want to hear from a guy that hunts public land in Ohio. I want to hear a guy that hunts 40-acre properties in New Jersey. And if you take in all those different ideas, I think we can kind of cherry pick a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit over here. Absolutely. And kind of blend that into your own situation, whether that be you know the types of deer you're targeting or the tactics you use. Um, all these things, I think we we don't necessarily need to say well because Mark's situation is different than mine. It's bogus. Um, we can learn from it all. I a think. perfect example of that. So thirteen, the show we have on Outdoor Channel, the the tips and the tactics that they kind of use in that. I mean, it, we've gotten so many responses from people where it's like I've never thought about hunting this way during this part of the year and i saw it on your show so i tried it out and i killed the biggest deer of my life or whatever you know i killed my first deer or I, you know i just sure. i saw more deer than i ever had it's it to your point it's exactly the same thing you're saying it's just a matter of hearing other people what they're doing to be successful and say i wonder if that would work in my area it might not be everything they did but mm-hmm. maybe this one thing they did would work for me and change it up you know so take, for example, this topic we're talking about, summer scouting. Um, I don't own a bunch of land. I don't mm-hmm. have a 400-acre property to hunt. I hunt, like, 40s and little things here and stuff by permission. So I don't have a big property I can manage or anything. So inventorying bucks for me might be different. And there's a lot of other guys out there probably that have no land maybe, and they're just trying to hunt a little bit public here, and they're thinking, why would I bother inventorying bucks? I'm not going to have a 5-year-old. I'm not going to have this. Well, here's one way you can apply some of the things that we're talking about. One of the things that I do during the summer is I try to inventory deer on properties I can't hunt. And I go out there during the summer and I'm searching where can I find mature bucks and go out there and drive all sorts of roads in July and August, try to figure out where might I be able to find one of those top 10% bucks. And then go out there, find those places, learn property owners, learn property lines and start knocking on doors and trying to get permission on areas around that. So that's a different way to use summer scouting. You're not scouting a property you hunt right now. You're scouting to find new properties. If you're willing to put in that work, try to find new spots. That's a great way to know at least that neighborhood has something you might and be interested in. And most importantly, chasing. you're narrowing down uh, properties that you can co- that will be well worth concentrating on mm-hmm. it, rather than wasting your time. Exactly. Yeah. You can't hunt something that's not there. Yeah. End of story. But I will say that I'm going to make a plug here uh, with uh, I'm also, you know, uh, 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 Pradco Industries sponsors yeah. our show. Yeah. Maltry uh, has a great tool out called Maltry Mobile. Go to www.maltrymobile.com. And that is the most awesome tool for MRI I've ever experienced. I put it out on pro- basically about the center of my farm um, where I know the, a lot of good mature bucks usually hang near food source uh, in summer through the summer. And I let that thing yeah, – and, 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 
it, it basically sends pictures to either my phone or my laptop. You've used that, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've it's, got it's, one Moultrie's it, in a bush. It, it is yeah. the, it's a new wave of keeping track. It's amazing. Inventory. It's amazing. You, need, you don't have, here's the deal, you don't have to go in and penetrate your area, yeah. and you still get a daily inventory of pictures uh, from that spot. It's th- awesome. Yeah, awesome. I th- and I think Very for, cheap, too, by the way. Yeah, for guys like us that you may not be able to get to our properties, or like yeah. your case, Ohio, or my case, I'm just not ever getting to the lease hardly. It's like you could use something like that, and you're there. You know what's going on. You know, because so many times, by the time I pull the card and check the camera, like Mark always tells me, he's like, you're scouting for next year at this point. You, yep. you, you, you missed what that camera was there to tell you, you right. missed for this season. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. But well, with these cameras that you're talking about, it, it allows you to kind oh of my gosh, still I, be in the game for this season. My, you know, and, and, and it's, you, you can set your, whatever you you can go from nine ninety nine a month to $30 a month, anywhere in between. I think I run, I'm, I'm kind of a cheapskate. I run about the middle of the road, a number of pictures. And I think it's like, 3,500 pictures a month. And you can set the camera instead of taking three pictures a time, just one. Can you delete them from your phone or like you can, how do you keep the you card? You can delete them. It'll, they'll stay on the card, but you can delete them from your – yeah, from Which, your – That's what I'm wondering. Does the card fill up on you or does you just put the biggest well, card you got? I, you put the biggest card yeah. you can put on, uh, you know, so you don't have to go in there that often. But, you know, bottom line is uh, if, if, if you're running two or 3,000 pictures a month – um, and it's, like I said, it's set up instead of taking three pictures at a time. A lot of people normally, when you set something on a stationary object, like a scrape yeah. or a mineral lick or a, f- a feed station, you'll, you'll at least do three pictures at a time burst and then do them one minute delay and then three pictures at yeah. a time. Well, you can set the camera for doing one picture at a time and then a 30 second or one minute delay. And then that way it doesn't eat your, mm-hmm. uh, your, you know, your, your, yeah. what do you call, um, is it gigabytes or yeah, yeah. you know your memory? Up. Yeah, um, plus and, the battery. Yeah, sure. And and here's a great deal about Moultrie Mobile sales pitch here. You can deadline it for four ninety nine a month. Just keep that line open and basically not get any pictures until you're ready to start back up in the summer or fall uh, to get pictures again, and you That's bump it up to pretty you know, handy. Yeah, pretty cool. And like I said, it, but it, but it's all about not disturbing your whitetails too much and one of the things that i've always wanted to pick your uncle mark's brain about is he's an expert at figuring out what his deer are doing inventorying them but not pressuring it's amazing it's amazing how he figures out how to not disturb that deer like he will not go in unless the wind's right to check a camera i mean he he goes to the extra extra level he's sent free he's I mean, it's really crazy. The nth degree, and um, I mean, you could write a whole book on just inventory and whitetails. Yeah, it's glad you, you know. And I think Mark Drury would be one of the best authors of that. Yeah, book, you know, yeah, for just, sure. Just not disturbing your deer. Yeah, and I think that applies, of course, in season, but even off season too. I really do think that, especially in the areas where even heavily, more heavily pressured, you need to keep that pressure low, even in the off season. And mm-hmm. so, being careful in August, just as much as you're careful during October, that stuff can make an impact if you're getting too careless i'm glad people like shed hunting so much because you can actually walk your piece (laughs) you can walk your piece and scour your place but i'm glad he just mentioned about uh all year round uh coyote hunters uh dog hunter dog runners for coyotes just don't and i i get we're trust me we're sympathetic with the fact that you have to have places to run your dogs but the fact is is when you have whitetail property 
and you're managing for big whitetails, you don't want no. dogs running th- through and continuously disturbing your mature deer. You're gonna, I don't care what study you read. Here's <laughs> my study. It don't work. No, you're going to tick some people off you're because t- it's amazing. Anytime we run a piece about dogs on dad's farm or something, we get so many hate <laughs> like hate emails. Hate and mail. It's like, I don't understand why you don't get why we wouldn't want dogs running around on the farm because they chase deer. They They're chase not deer. chasing those coyotes. They're chasing deer in there yes so, and it's the reality of it yeah. we're not saying it's the dog's fault or whatever but i mean it may be your fault <laughs> yeah <laughs> you may want to look in the mirror because if you're letting them out and say oh they ain't running those deer you're full of crap right. i mean it's just the reality of it and so dog runners and one of those that are listening here you know please don't hate us just start finding places your dogs can run where people don't mind or not managing for big whitetails or whatever. Literally any farmer, but almost most farmers don't really care about whitetails. I mean, that's what I've seen in my experience is a lot of farmers don't really care about whitetails. Sure. Those are the places you want to go that's run your right. dogs. Yeah, start, start start finding out. I think I think it, would, it really, I, I think it would be, if, if everybody wants to get along better, it would be easier to find kind of seek out your areas where people are managing for big whitetails and stay and, and don't run your dogs in those areas and you know and, and and everything will work out but they do because if they're running dogs for coyotes coyotes are where the whitetails are that's <laughs> a vicious circle there right that's I true mean, i get it it's a passion that that people have it's oh, yeah. a it's a style of hunting that i mean I'm all for it, whatever, but it, it is frustrating when you're on a piece hunting and you got maybe two days to hunt, and here comes a dog, pack of dogs running through the woods. Yeah. It's very frustrating. You know, it's, it's, you're not, the day's done, yeah. right? And, and it's amazing how quick they can run through an entire track oh, yeah. of land. And what goes through my mind is all the time, all the money, all the food yeah. plot seed and yeah. fertilizer and uh, hang and stands and you're and waiting trimming, for the rut and you're waiting for that one or two days <laughs> you got here one come, wind here comes some dogs <laughs> so, so dog hunters please understand uh we we have a good reason to be upset we yeah. really do i get it i get why they do it i just wish they would be more um courteous courteous yes. yeah property yeah. borders yeah. yeah well i think we probably wrapped everything up on the summer scouting topic at least uh We've kind of covered all sorts yeah, of stuff related absolutely. to it. So I, I want to ma- mention, um, and and this is a plug for anal- analogics. Uh, uh, summer is also a great time to 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 nu- put the nutrients in their system to not only uh, keep them uh, the risk of EHD and uh, down, um, uh, so grow a healthier herd, but of course uh, increase antler size. So uh, biggest thing with that the analogics. I just got better pictures with it. I, I, it's crazy. I got yeah. better pictures with it. I mean, if you get, get the science side out of it. If you want just a crazy attractant, it's it, it's awesome. When I finally I ran out of a bag or whatever, so I just put corn out. This was two years ago, three years ago, and my pictures decreased probably sixty, seventy percent. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm oh, I'm not oh, lying. No, that's it's and 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 along along with it, you're you're doing them a favor by just creating a healthier yeah. herd yeah. So. which then creates better antler growth so um you know i'm gonna go back to uncle mark uh, uh once again circle back there you know he's he's getting bigger deer because he's 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 making sure his deer are healthier through the analytic he's doing a lot of things i mean it's a lot of little things that add up it all adds up it yeah. yeah but every little bit that helps every no little question. bit that's the truth 
Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, this podcast and answering the question. And you've shared a lot of helpful stuff, so we appreciate that. Appreciate you guys having me. Always enjoy coming back to my brewery buddies. Lots of fun. Blood brothers. Deep in the heart, buddy. That's right, Deep man. Deep in the heart. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap up this episode. I'll just remind you to subscribe for the audio version if you're interested on iTunes or Stitcher. And make sure to send in future questions over to wiredtohunt.com slash 100% wild. And Matt? As always, you can check out the video version of this podcast at the Drury Outdoors YouTube page. And uh, check out all the DOD TV original episodes. We've done away with the DVDs. And a lot of those original hunts uh, from our Drury Outdoors team, they're appearing. We're trying to do one or two new originals a week. And uh, the only place you can check them out is YouTube. So be sure to check us out there. If you want to follow us on social media, as always, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, you'll catch up with us and, and keep up with us throughout the season. Sounds good. Thanks so much for listening. Peace.